edify our congregation by the words that are spoken uh, today instead of uh, creating division. I ask you to bless everyone here. Give them the ears to hear. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. There. <clears throat> oh, you get, okay, never mind. You want me to stop mine then? There, stop. Okay, yeah, I started late last time, so I'm surprised the game didn't, you know, throw those little, you know, nibbles out there. Like, oh, hey, what happened? He doesn't do that. But, uh, okay, so anyway, we are very echoey. There. All right. So let's uh, let's get on with it. The uh, this is the very last chapter of First Timothy. Uh, this would be the conclusion of the first letter that Paul would send to to Timothy, uh, first of two. In chapter six, deals with a a, a very challenging topic, right? That most people uh, have come over the the centuries and, and, and brought up and be like, hey, you know what? Uh, why do they, uh, how can they justify slavery? Well, they don't. Actually, it is through this very powerful movement that would uh, eventually all men would be set free and give all men their dignity, but it would take time, right? At this time, uh, in this point in time, Paul is focusing in the reality of the times that they're living in. He's saying, okay, listen, you, uh, this is where you are. You are new. Uh, a new believer in, in our Lord, Messiah, uh, the Messiah. Um, so, be faithful. Grow in faith. Guard yourself against false, false teachings. And set your sights on our, uh, on Yeshua. Don't, Worry about this world, for this will come to pass. Your treasures are in the world to come. So don't worry. That's what he's telling them at that at this point in time, right? Uh, so let's uh, start reading First uh, Timothy 6, and then we'll pause as we go, and then we'll, we'll discuss. All right, so... Starts, those who are under the yoke of slavery should regard their masters as worthy of full respect so that the name of God and the teaching will not be brought into disrepute. Those who have believing masters are not to show them less respect on the grounds that they are brothers. On the contrary, they should serve all the more diligently since those benefiting from their service are believers whom they love, teach and exhort people about these things. All right, so right away, sorry, how about if you hear that it's a cough drop? I've been having this nagging cough, just uh, trying to quit smoking, and it's just kind of, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, so uh, what Paul's talking about here is uh, if you are a slave and you happen to become a believer while in servitude, uh, you are to give your master the honor he deserves 
Not because he may, uh, may be a good master, or he may not be, but because you are now a newly redeemed person who should be displaying love toward your fellow man. And that includes your master, of course. So that's, that's kind of what he's saying here. And then he goes on to saying, okay, if you are under the yoke of slavery, and you are in servitude, and you happen to become a believer, and then your master also becomes a believer, uh, don't take advantage of that. Don't try to sham out of work, because now you two are brothers, so you think you, uh, you have a special place with him. What he's saying is, <clears throat> this faith is for everyone, regardless of your present circumstances. But uh, because of that, you should work even harder for him because the one benefiting from your labor is your brother. And yes, that includes your master. That's what he's telling them. Um, a very revolutionary concept. It's not nothing new, but it, uh, at that time, there, I'm sure everybody was... Uh, with many teachings that Yeshua would bring, you know, it's the same thing. Everybody would be looking at me like, okay, wait, what is he talking about? No, that is not what we do here. Uh, but who remembers the story of Joseph? Right? Oh, wow, that guy, oh, yeah, good job. Vaguely, okay. So, <laughs> one of the concepts in, in, in that story that uh, sets him apart from all the other ones is... Um, how Joseph finds himself in that um, in a situation where he could have just sit there and play the victim and say, well, uh, I cannot believe I am in this circumstances. But instead, after being sold to slavery, what does he do? He strives to become uh, the best man working for uh, his now master, right? Even after Potiphar uh, sold him, or I'm sorry, put him in prison, uh, talk about the story of, uh, an amazing story of an underdog, right? He uh, starts to be the best prisoner, right? Uh, says that God's grace was with him, of course. But he's like, you know what? He, he strives to work so hard that he becomes the overseer of all the prisoners in the prison. I mean, it's like... Man, talk about, you know, going from, you know, working, you know, mopping floors, you know, to being the CEO of the company. But, uh, yeah, so he makes the best of it, right? And the reason why I always tell, every time we go through that story, I always tell people, it's like, well, because even though he was in bondage, he was in slavery, he had the heart of a free man. Uh, so there's a quote by uh, James Allen. Uh, who I used to, uh, I, I like very much. It, it, it says, um, the heart of a free man sees this world as a series of problems which must be solved. The heart of a slave just complains. Amen. Which one are you? That's, you know, one of those that I always think about. So, so regardless of your circumstances, Work diligently. Stop complaining. Uh, so this is the, the advice that Paul would have given the Colossians a couple of years before this 
this letter where he says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. <clears throat> yeah, so let's continue. Let me see. Where are we? Three. If anyone teaches differently and does not agree to the sound precepts of, of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah and to the doctrine that is in keeping with godliness, he is swollen with conceit and understands nothing. Instead, he has a. <clears throat> oops. Uh, it's. Uh, instead, he has a morbid desire for controversies and word battles, out of which come jealousy, dissension, insults, evil suspicions, and a constant wrangling among those whose minds no longer function properly and who have been deprived of the truth so that they imagine that religion is a road to riches. Oof. All right, so... Again, seems like I just talked about this, right? So Paul's warning them again against false teachers. But this time, it's not about doctrine. It's about uh, people who have appointed themselves as teachers, and now they're using uh, the Word of God. They're manipulating the Scriptures as they see fit for monetary gains. Uh Couple tale evangelists come to mind when I when I think of that. I'm not going to say names, but you guys can probably think of about two or three as well. But so these people who twist the scriptures as they see fit uh, to attain to profit from it, right? I mean, this is not a new concept. This this started, you know. From the very beginning, it started, you know, the first century, and uh, it's despicable, just like Anthony says, and that's bad, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Paul, it's also talking about the sound teachings of Yeshua. So I was looking, I was looking for a direct quote on uh, about this that he's talking about, and I. Could not find one. So then it came to the realization that what Paul is talking about is the fundamental principles that the walk and work of our Master Yeshua uh, left for us to follow is what you know what he's addressing. He's like, okay, so these are the sound teachings of our Master, right? So follow these principles, these moral principles um, that they are not following. Stick to that. Don't pay attention. To to these people. Uh, okay, so let's continue with six. Uh, let me see. So now, true religion does bring riches, but only to those who are content with what they have. For we have brought nothing into into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. So, if we have food and clothing, we will be satisfied with these. Uh, that's 
That's a tough one, right? As Paul offers encouragement, he says, be happy with what you have. Uh, the um, There was a um, couple of verses that we used to uh, recite as a, as a family during our morning devotions. And we used to try to memorize like all these um, different uh, Bible verses. And, and one of them is uh, Philippians 4, uh, 11-13 that says, uh, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in, ev- in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things to Him who gives me strength. And we used to recite this over and over every single uh, morning to realize that, yeah, we should be content where we are. If you are not happy where, where you are, it doesn't matter... What you attain in life, what you achieve, you will never be content. You will always be seeking something. Your heart will always be going to the very next next thing, and the, then the next thing, and the next thing. So, uh, yeah, don't... Uh, but one of the things that I tell people is like, okay, be content. But don't dwell in self-pity. Don't, you know, continue to strive, yes. Continue to uh, continue to carry on with, with the task at hand, right? We have a great, uh, a great commission, the um, grand commission that we are, we are to carry, uh, carry out. So there's really no time to stagnate. We need to be happy, but we need to be focused on the task at hand, the things that we're entrusted to us, the things that we are to do. Uh, so uh, don't choose to sit there and self-absorb in, in your little tiny bubble, right? And most people, of course, will always tell me, um, well, you really uh, don't know what I'm going through, and, you know, you're... Uh, actually, <laughs> that was like one of the few slides that I actually came up with. Where it's like, okay, so it's like, yeah, people would tell me, okay, you know what? You really don't um, uh, don't know because I suffer from just fill in the blank, right? Whatever you know, your favorite sin actually is. Uh, and you're right; I have no idea what you're going through, but. Because we are new redeemed people, because we have now, we are to set our, our sights on something more than just us. You really don't have that time to waste. But uh, if you really think that I don't struggle, oh my goodness. You guys really don't know me. I am probably like the most pessimistic, most sedentary, most worst procrastinator. I am like the most self-doubting person I know. Uh, if you don't think so, ask Ariana. She'll tell you straight. <laughs> yeah. The difference is I choose not to be. I eventually just smack myself a couple times. I'm like, okay, that's it. All right, I got it. <laughs> you stayed at your point. Now get going. Uh, when I was uh, so I was going through 
hard times or, or just, you know, just the rough patches, there was this um, this poem that I used to recite to myself, and I used to say it out loud all the time. I actually printed it, and I used to have it over my desk and stuff. And uh, it's a poem by uh, Robert W. Service. Um, if you don't know him, Robert W. Service drove an ambulance in World War One, and he used to write poetry to cheer up the, the troops in, in the trenches. And uh, he used to just, you know, he has a, a bunch of them, but there is this one that is called uh, Carry On that I used to recite to myself all the time when, you know, during those times. And um, since we're here for Bible teaching and not poetry, I'll just give you the first part of it and then I'll, you know, I'll let you look up the rest of it. It's a... Uh, let me see how I start. Um, it's easy to fight when everything's right, when you're mad with the thrill and the glory. It's easy to cheer when victory is near and wallow in fields that are gory. It's a different song when everything's wrong, when you're feeling infernally mortal, when it's ten against one, in hope there is none. Buck up, little soldier, and chortle. Carry on, carry on. There isn't much punch in your blow. You're glaring and staring and swinging out blind. You're muddy and bloody, but never you mind. Carry on, carry on. It's looking like death. But while you have a breath, carry on, my son. Carry on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, so I, I used to <laughs> recite that quite a bit. Um, and Ari, I can tell you that. Yeah, I used to... Yeah, as I was going through a few rough rough schools I was just like always like just you know going through it going through it and uh, that in uh, the man in the arena just just right um, Teddy Roosevelt <clears throat> but anyway so getting back to the teaching uh, so Paul also says that you brought nothing into this world and you can take nothing out of it uh, well so maybe that's where that old adage came from about money, where it says, well, you can't take it with you. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a partially true statement if you think about it, right? What it's saying is, well, you really can't take it with you, so you might as well be as irresponsible as you can't with it, and poof, make it rain. Who cares, right? Uh, so that's a... It's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. You know, it's, uh, uh, let me see, where are we? Uh, nine, yeah. Okay, so furthermore, those who, who whose goal is to be rich fall into temptation. They get trapped in many foolish and hurt, hurtful ambitions which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all the evils. Because of this craving, some people have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves uh, to the heart with many pains. But you, as a man of God, flee from these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight in the, of the faith. 
take hold of the eternal life for which you were called when you testified so well to your faith before many witnesses. I charge you before God who gives life to you all. Uh, and before the Messiah Yeshua who is in his who in his witness to Pontius Pilate gave the same good testimony to obey your commission spotlessly and irreproachably until our Lord Yeshua the Messiah appears. This appearing will be brought about in its own time by the blessed and sole sovereign who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who dwells in unapproachable light that no human being has ever seen or can see. To him we honor and an eternal power. Amen. And for those who have riches, riches in this present world, charge them not to be proud and not to let their hopes rest on the uncertainty of riches, but to rest their hopes on God, who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. In this way, they will treasure up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may lay hold of the real life. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, right? So... Hmm. So he's talking about uh, those who, whose goal is to be rich fall into temptations. Uh, they get trapped onto many foolish and hurtful ambitions which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all the evils. I agree. Yeah. However, uh, our Master Yeshua used to say, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, it's in Matthew 6. Uh, so, uh, yeah, young people, this one is for you. Uh, I know you heard this this talk before. That's right. Talking to you guys, yeah. but um, and here goes again. Um, do not dedicate your efforts to gaining wealth. Uh, work hard, be productive, give your employer more for what he is paying you, and if God chooses to reward you with wealth, then. Uh, first, do not be fooled into thinking that that came because of your amazing skills or because anything that you have done, right? So, remember that if God chooses to bring prosperity to you, do not fall in love with that abundance. Because that can very easily go away. 
And if you are holding to it so dearly, you will go with it. Those who trust in riches will fall. Proverbs uh, 11 says. Uh, how many are familiar with those um, those traps that uh, people put out there for raccoons? You know, where they put the... Uh, they put the cage, and, they, and there's just a little hole, just big enough for the raccoon to stick his hand through there. And they they put the bait on there, and it doesn't pinch their hand, or it's not like a bear trap where it just like clamps it in place. It's nothing more than the raccoon sticking his hand in there and holding on to that bait. Well, that bait is 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 anchored down to the very center of that cage, and that's it. But the raccoon will refuse to leave, let that bait go, so it will starve to death there because they just cannot bear leaving that on there. So it would rather die than just to like let his hand go and then just go find something else. Uh, <laughs> be careful with that. Uh, there is some uh, if God blesses you with wealth, he is expecting you to be responsible. Uh, and the reason for that is because it is not yours it is his money you are just a steward of it so if you have not grown at that point and all of a sudden all this money comes to you my advice to you is seek wisdom grow very very fast because Wealth is holding the sun on the palm of your hand. If you have no idea how to control it, it will consume you. And it will destroy you. But there are many people who have it and many people who are very good stewards of it. So you should always seek out that wisdom. Um always remember that the second that you become wealthy as a believer you are now your responsibility just increased tenfold to your fellow believers Uh, Luke 12 says that uh, for everyone who has been given much much will be demanded and from the one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked. That is you if you become wealthy. Remember that. Uh, so, and then, yeah, of course, yet the other thing is do not forget the Lord your God when your belly is full. We tend to always put it on the back burner. When we are satisfied, uh, one of my friends used to tell me uh, that um, there are two times when you will always think about praying to God. One of them is when you are in poverty and in need, and the other one is when you have clogged your bo- your boss's toilet and there's no plunger inside. All atheistic beliefs are just go right out the window at that point, right? And you probably should too. Uh, but get back to the money issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, money is not 
evil in and of itself. So don't get that. Don't think that I'm telling you that. Money is morality neutral. What I'm saying is that given our weaknesses, wealth poses a grave spiritual danger if you are not wise with it. So it'll bring out some qualities in you that you otherwise you would have never seen. If you're one of those people that always wants to be right, if you're one of those people who... Uh, always contradicting others who always wants to be who thinks that you're better off alone who thinks that you know other people are just dragging you down well the second that money comes into the picture all those problems go away and you think you are free you're right that's right yeah another yeah another problem another thing that Anthony says right more money more problems oh, you're right but that's, that's it, right? So what he was saying is that there's so many people. I think it is uh, <coughs> the statistic is actually 96% of people who win the lottery end up bankrupt within 10 years. But that is, you know, the lottery. Uh, it's called dumbfound money, right, for that reason. Uh, Dave Ramsey refers to it as, as just that, right? Money that just happens to come your way and you, it required no discipline to attain so you claim none of the responsibility. That's, again, very, very dangerous territory. Uh, so, yeah, uh, very interesting that all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about money and then there's a Dave Ramsey uh, total money makeover or Financial Peace University um, being given over here for, for our fellowship. And I encourage everyone who wants to be better stewards of, of what God has given you to attend. I mean, absolutely. Uh, why not? But definitely young people. If you guys... Yeah, if you guys want to attend, yeah, I definitely encourage you to start this early. Man... You'll be so much further ahead than I was at your age, for sure. But <clears throat> yeah, but so don't let me scare you. Don't let me uh, be misunderstood. I'm not trying to steer you away from from that. I, I, I'm saying work diligently. Uh, and if you are blessed with riches, be a good steward of it. Be wise about it. Imagine what you can do for your family if you had ten thousand dollars. For your immediate, for your extended family, if you had a hundred thousand. For your community, if you had a million. For your city, if you had ten million. For the world, if you had a hundred million. I mean, we need more God-fearing Christians with that mindset to try to counter all the evil that is out there in this world. So, yeah, that's uh, that's one of the the the, uh, the things to watch out for. That I I tell you always, just seek it, right? But Paul says, okay, but just don't. 
focus so much on that, rather pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Uh, and after that, of course, yeah, always think about your descendants. Right? Um, yes, you may not be able to take it with you, but remember that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So, always think about that. Uh, I'll leave you with that. Do we have any questions? Yes? A story. Yay, I like stories. Yes, absolutely. Any anyone else? Come. Okay. Yes, Miss Carol. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it is not yours. It is his. He's giving you to manage it. So, yeah. If you look at it that way, you'll be okay. It is when we start thinking that it is yours, you hold on to it, it becomes a bad... Yes. Yeah, that's a big one. Most of the time, everybody who comes to a um, a congregation, a church, a fellowship, whatever whatever it is, most of the time is just for that. What can I get out of this? How can I use this to grow? How can I use this to better myself? Rather than saying, okay, how can I be of how can I be a servant to this? How can you know if you come with a with a servant spirit, it is such a different experience than if you come here as a consumer. So yeah, absolutely. It's not about us. We should be at the service of the king. I, Kiddush here. We'll say the blessing of the fruit of the vine. And let's make sure we let our visitors go through first today. They're going to stick around for a meal. So if you see someone in the line ahead of you, make sure in their visitor, make sure you put them to the front of the line. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Puri HaGafen Amen Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Blessing over the column, over the bread. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Amotzi Lechamin Haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, o Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Amen. Can we all say thank you to Adrian for teaching on the last chapter? If you would like to get with your family, or loved ones or friends, as we close out with the Aaronic benediction from Numbers chapter Numbers chapter six, verses twenty-four to twenty-six.